talking about It's Clover, your old friend, your old pal, your old host, and I'm back. It's Chloe from Chloe Neva Stories. The date is May 17th, 2021, and today we are going to be reading Chapter 2 of Madame Lingle's A Wrinkle in Time. We are super excited. If you haven't heard the first part, I would suggest to go back and listen to that there from Monday's episode. So, I am so excited. We are going to be reading Chapter 2, Mrs. Who. And let's get started. If I can find my place. Okay. Chapter 2, Mrs. Who. Oh, wait, one last thing. I'm going to try not to stutter over anything, but Adam Lingle put some pretty hard words in this book. So, forgive me if I stumble over a couple things. Okay. Chapter 2, Mrs. Who. When Meg awoke to the jangling of her alarm clock, the wind was still blowing, but the sun was shining. The worst of the storm was over. She sat up in bed, shaking her head to clear it. It must have been a dream, she She'd been frightened by the storm and worried about the tramp, so she just dreamed about going down to the kitchen and seeing Mrs. Watson and having her mother get all frightened up. Frightened and upset about that word. What was it? Test test something. She dressed hurriedly hurriedly, picked up the kitten still curled up on the bed, and dumped it unceremoniously on the floor. The kitten yawned, stretched, gave a piteous meow trotted out the attic and down the stairs. Meg made her bed and hurried after it. The kitchen her mother was already in the kitchen her mother was already making French toast and the twins were at the table. The kitten was lapping milk out of a saucer. Where's Charles? Meg's asked. Still asleep. We had a rather an interrupted night, if you remember. I hoped it was a dream, Meg said. Her mother carefully turned over four slices of French toast, then said in a steady voice no, Meg, don't hope it was a dream. I don't understand it any more than you do, but one thing I've learned is that you don't have to understand things for them to be. I'm used to... Sh- I'm u- sorry I showed you I was upset. Your father and I used to have a joke about Tesseract. What is a te- Tesseract? Meg asked. It's a concept. Mrs. Murray handed the twins the syrup. I'll try to explain it to you later. There isn't time before school. I don't see why you didn't wake us up, Denny said. It's a gyp we missed out on all the fun. You'll be a lot more awake in school today than I will, Meg took her French toast to the table. Who cares, Cindy says. If you're going to let an old trance come into the house in the middle of the night, Mother, you ought to have Den and me around to protect you. After all, Father would expect us to, Denny added. We know you have a great mind at all, Mother, Sandy said, but you just don't have much sense, and certainly Meg and Charles don't. I know, we're morons, Meg was bitter. I wish you would stop being such a dope. Meg, sir, please. Meg, sir, please. Sandy reached across the table. You don't have to take everything so personally. Use a happy medium, for heaven's sake. You just goof around in school and look out the windows and don't pay any attention. You just make things harder for yourself, Denny said. And Charles Wallace is going to have an awful time next year when he starts school. We know he's bright, but he's so funny when he's around other people, and they're just so used to thinking he's dumb. I don't know what's going to happen to him. Sandy and I will sock anybody who picks on him, but that's about all we can do. Let's not worry about next year till we get through this one, Mrs. Murray said. More French toast, boys? 
At school, Meg was tired and her eyelids sagged as her mind wandered. In social studies, she was asked to name the principal imports and exports of Nysargula, and though she had looked them up dolefully the evening before, now she could remember none of them. The teacher was sarcastic, the rest of the class laughed, and she flung herself down in her seat in a fury. Who cares about imports and exports of Nysargula? You got anyhow. She muttered. If you're going to be rude, Margaret, you may leave the room, the teacher said. Okay, I will, Meg flounced out. During study hall, the principal sent for her. What seems to be the problem now, Meg? He asked pleasantly enough. Meg looked sulkily down at the floor. Nothing, Mr. Jenkins. Miss Porter tells me you were inexclusively rude. Meg shrugged. Don't you realize that you just make everything harder for yourself by your attitude, the principal asked. Now, Meg, I'm convinced that you can do the work and keep up with your grade if you will apply yourself, but some of your teachers are not. You're going to have to do something about yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Meg was silent. Well, what about it, Meg? I don't know what to do, Meg said. You could do your homework for one thing. Wouldn't your mother help you? If I asked her to. Meg, is something troubling you? Are you unhappy at home? Mr. Jenkins asked. At last, Meg looked at him, pushing her glasses in the characteristic gesture. Everything's fine at home. I'm glad to hear it, but I know it must be hard on you to have your father away. Meg eyed the principal warily and ran her tongue over the barbed line of her braces. Have you had any news from him lately? Meg was sure it was not only imagination that made her feel that Mr. Jenkins' surface concern was a gleam of avid curiosity. Wouldn't he like to know, she thought, and if I knew anything, he's the last person I'd tell. Well, one of the last. The postmistress must know that it's almost a year now since the last letter, and heaven knows how many people she told or what an unlikely guess that she made about the reason for the long silence. Mr. Jenkins waited for an answer, but Meg only shrugged. Just what was your father's line of business, Mr. Jenkins asked. Some kind of scientist, wasn't he? He's a physicist. Meg bared her teeth to reveal the two ferocious lines of braces. Meg, don't you think you'd make better adjustments to life if you faced facts? I do face facts, Meg said. They're a lot easier to face than people, I can tell you. Then why don't you face facts about your father? You leave my father out of this, Meg shouted. Stop bellowing, Mr. Jenkins said shortly. Do you want the entire school to hear you? So what, Meg demanded. I'm not ashamed of anything I'm saying, are you? Mr. Jenkins said, do you enjoy being the most brilliant, uncooperative child in the school? Meg ignored this. She leaned over to the desk towards the principal. Mr. Jenkins, you've met my mother, haven't you? She can't accuse her of not facing facts, can you? She's a scientist. She has doctor's degrees in both biologies and bacteriologies. Her business is facts. When she tells me that my father isn't coming home, I'll believe it. As long as she says father is coming home, I'll be- then I'll believe that. Mr. Jenkins sighed again. No doubt your mother wants to believe that your father is coming home, Meg. Very well. I can't do anything else with you. Go back to your on back to study hall. Try to be a little less antonistic. Maybe your work will improve if your general attitude were more tractable. Tractable. When Meg got home from school, her mother was in the lab. The two twins were at Little League, and Charles Wallace, the kitten, and Fortinbras were waiting for her. Fortinbras jumped up and put his front paws on her shoulder. His then gave her a kiss, and the kitten rushed his empty saucer and, saucer and meowed loudly. Come on, Charles Wallace said. Let's go. Where? Meg asked. I'm hungry, Charles. 
I don't want to go anywhere till I've had something to eat. She was sore from the interview with Mr. Jenkins, and her voice sounded cross. Charles Wallace looked at her thoughtfully as she went to the refrigerator and gave the kitten some milk, then drank a mug full herself. She handed her a handed her a paper bag. Here's a sandwich and some cookies and an apple. I thought we'd better go see Mrs. Watson. Oh, golly, why, Charles, Meg said. You're still uneasy about her, aren't you, Charles asked. Well, yes. Don't be. She's all right. I promise you. She's on our side. How do you know? Meg, he said patiently. I know. But why should we go see her now? I want to find out more about the Tesseract thing. Didn't you see how it upset Mother? You know when Mother can't control the way she feels? When she lets us see she's upset, then it's something big. Then thought for a moment. Okay, let's go, but let's take Fort and Browse with us. Well, of course, he needs the exercise. They set off, Fort and Browse rushing ahead, then doubling back to the two children, then leaping off again. The Murrays lived about four miles out of the village. Behind the house was a pine wood, was a pine woods, and it was through the is that Charles Wallace took Meg. Charles, you know she's going to get in awful trouble, Mrs. Watson. I mean, if they find out she's broken into the haunted house, and I'm taking Miss. And taking Mrs. Buncombe's sheets and everything, they could send her to jail. One of the reasons I want to go over this afternoon to warn them. Them? I told you she. There were three. She was there with her two friends. I'm not even sure. If, sure, it was Mrs. Watson herself who took the sheets, though I wouldn't put it past her. But then, what would she want all those sheets for? I intended to ask her. Charles Wallace said, and. To tell them they better be more careful. I don't really think they ought. They'll, I don't really think they'll let anybody find them. But I just thought we ought to mention the possibility. Sometimes during vacation, some of the boys go out there for looking for thrills. But I don't think anybody is apt to right now with the basketball, with basketball and everything. They walked in silence for a moment through the fragrant woods and the rusty pine needles gently under their feet. Up above, the wind made music in the branches. Charles Wallace slipped his hand confidently in Meg's, and the sweet little boy's gesture warmed her so that she felt the tense knots inside her being loosened. Charles loves me at any rate, she thought. School awful again today? He asked after a while. Yes, I got sent a message Jenkins, and then he made me snide. And he made snide remarks about father. Charles Wallace nodded sadly. I know. How do you know? Charles Wallace shook his head. I can't quite explain. You tell me, that's all. But I never say anything. You just seem to know. Everything about you, you tell. Everything about you tells me, Charles said. How about the twins, Meg asked. Do you know about them, too? I suppose I could if I wanted to. They needed me, but it's sort of tiring, and I just, so I just concentrate on you and Mother. You mean you read our minds? Charles Wallace looked troubled. I don't think it's that. It's just being able to understand a sort of language. Like, sometimes I concentrate very hard and I can understand the wind talking to the trees. You tell me, you see, you sort of, sort of inadvertently. That's a good word, isn't it? I got Mother to look it up in the dictionary for me this morning. I really must learn to read, except I'm afraid it will make me, uh, think, make it awfully hard for me in school next year if I already know things. I think it would be better if people go on thinking I'm not very bright. They won't hate me so much. Ahead of them, Fort and Barras started barking loudly. The warning bay that usually told them that a car was coming up the road that, or that someone and was at the door. Somebody's here, Charles Wallace said sharply. Somebody's hanging around the house. Come on. He started to run, his short legs straining. At the edge of the woods, Fort and Barras stood in front of the boy, barking furiously. As they came, 
As they came panting up, the boy said, We're crying out loud. Call off your dog. Who is it, Charles asked Meg. Charles Wallace asked Meg. Calvin O'Keefe. He's in regionals, but he's older than I am. He's a big bug. It's all right, fella. I'm not going to hurt you, the boy said at Fort and Grog. Sit, Fort, Charles Wallace commanded. The Fort and and Fortinbras dropped his haunches in front of the boy, a low growl still pulsing in the dark. Okay, Charles Wallace put his hands on his hip. Now, tell us what you're doing here. I might ask you this. I might ask the same of you, the boy said with the, some indication. Aren't you two of the Murray kids? This isn't your property, is it? He started to move, but Fortinbras' growl grew louder and stopped. Tell me about him, Meg, Charles Wallace demanded. Well, what I know about him, Meg said. He's a couple grades above me, and he's on the basketball team. Just because I'm tall, Calvin sounded a little embarrassed. Tall he certainly was, and skinny. His bony wrists stuck out of the sleeves of his boot-loose sweater. His worn corduroy trousers were three inches too short. He had orange hair that needed cutting and a, the appropriate freckles to go with it. His eyes were an oddly bright blue. Tell us what you're doing here, Charles Wallace said. What is this, the third degree? Aren't you the ones who's supposed to be the moron? Meg flushed with rage, but Charles Wallace answered placidly. That's right, and if you want me to call off my my dog off, you'd better get. Most peculiar moron I've ever met, Calvin said. I just came to get away from my family. Charles Wallace nodded. What kind of family? They all have runny noses. I'm third from the top of the 11 kids. I'm a sport. And that, Charles Wallace grinned widely. So am I. No, I don't mean baseball, Calvin said. Neither do I. I mean like biology, Calvin said suspiciously. A change in gene, Charles Wallace quoted, resulting in the appearance in the offspring of a character which is not present in the parents but is potentially transmitting its two offspring. What gives around here, Calvin asked. I was told you couldn't talk. Thinking I'm a moron gives people something to feel smug about, Charles Wallace said. Why should I disillusion them? How old are you, Cal? Fourteen. What grade? Junior. Eleven. I'm right. Listen, did anybody ask you to come here this afternoon? Charles Wallace, holding Fort by the collar, looked at Calvin suspiciously. What do you mean, asked? Calvin shrugged. You still don't trust me, do you? I don't distrust you, Charles Wallace said. Do you want me to tell you why you're here, then? Fort and Meg and I decided to go for a walk. We're off. Didn't we often do in the afternoon. Calvin dug his hands down in his pocket. You're holding out on me. So are you, Charles Wallace said. Okay, old sport, Calvin said. It, I'll tell you this much. Sometimes I get a feeling about things. You might call it a compulsion. Do you know what a compulsion is? Constrate obligation because one is compelled. Not a very good definition, but it's the consequence offered. Okay, okay, Calvin said. I must remember I'm a very preconditioned in my concept in your mentally. <laughs> Meg sat down on the coarse grass at the edge of the woods. Fort gently twisted his collar out of Charles Wallace's hand and came over to Meg, lying down beside her and putting her head on on her lap. Calvin tried now politely to direct his words towards Meg as well as Charles Wallace. When I get this feeling, this compulsion, I always do what it tells me. I can't explain where it comes from or how I get it, and it doesn't happen very often, but I obey it. And this afternoon, 
when I had a feeling that I must come over to the haunted house. That's all I know, kid. I'm not holding anything back. Maybe it's because I'm supposed to meet you. You tell me! Charles Wallace looked at Calvin probably for a moment. Then he, then an almost glazed look came into his eyes, and he still seemed to be thinking at him. Calvin stood very still and waited. At last, Charles Wallace said, Okay, I believe you, but I can't tell you. I, I think I'd like to trust you. Maybe you'd better come home with us and have dinner. Well, sure, but what would your mother say to that? Calvin asked. She'd be le- delighted. Mother's all right. She's not one of us, but she's all right. What about Meg? Meg has it tough. Charles Wallace said. She's not really one thing or the other. What do you mean, one of us? Meg demanded. And what do you mean I'm not one thing or the other? Not now, Meg, Charles Wallace said. Slowly, I'll tell you about it later. He looked at Calvin, then seemed to make a quick decision. Okay, let's take him to meet Mrs. Whatsit. If he's not okay, she'll know. He started off on his short legs towards the depalidated old house. The haunted house was half in the shadows of the clump elms in which it stood. The elms were almost bare now, and the ground around the house was yellow with damp leaves. The late afternoon light had a greenish cast which the blank windows reflected in the sinister way. An unhinged shutter thumped. Something else creaked. Meg did not wonder that the house had a reputation of being haunted. A board was nailed across the front door, but Charles Wallace led the way around to the back. The door there appeared to be nailed shut, too, but Charles Wallace knocked, and the door swung slowly outward, creaking on rusty hinges. Up in one of the elms, an old black crow gave its righteous cry. A woodpecker went into a wild rat-a-tat-tat. A large gray rat scuttled across around the corner of the house, and Meg lived out a stifled shriek. They get a lot of fun of using t- all the typical props, Charles Wallace said in a reassuring voice. Come on, follow me. Calvin put a strong hit hand to Meg's elbow and fort pressed against her leg. Happiness at their concern was so strong that it in her that it led to a panic fled, and she followed Charles Wallace into the dark recesses of the house without fear. They entered into a sort of kitchen. There was a huge fireplace with a black pot hanging over a merry fire. Why? Had there been no smoke visible from the chimney? Something in the pot was bubbling, and it smelled more like one of Mrs. Murray's chemical messes than something to eat. In dilapidated Boston rockers sat a plump little woman. She wasn't Mrs. Wetsit, so she must, Meg decided, be one of Mrs. Wetsit's two friends. She wore enormous spectacles, twice as thick and twice as large as Meg's, and she was sewing busily with rapid jabbing stitches on a sheet. Several other sheets lay on the dusty floor. Charles Wallace went up to her. I really don't think you ought to have taken Mrs. Buncombe's sheets without consulting me, he said, as cross and bossy as a very small boy can be. What on earth do you want them for? The plump little woman beamed at him. Why, Charlesy, my pet? Le cord est ses rations que le raison ne content point. French, Pascal. The heart has its reasons whereof reasons know nothing. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Probably not. I'm just sounding it out. If you know these languages and you know what I'm trying to say, please don't criticize me. Okay, I'm going to go back. But that's not appropriate at all, Charles said crossly. Your mother would find it so. A smile seemed to gleam through the roundness of spectacles. I'm not talking about my mother's feelings about my father, Charles Wallace scolded. I'm talking about Mrs. Buncombe's sheets. The little woman sighed. The enormous glasses caught the light again and shone like an owl's eye. 
In case we need ghosts, of course, she said, I should think you, you, you'd have guessed. If we have to frighten away anybody away, what's it thought it might be appropriate to do it appropriately? That's why it's so much fun to stay in a haunted house. We really didn't mean you to know about the sheets. German, in a flagrantico, Latin, Cottoniac, English. As I was saying, but Charles Wallace held up his hands permanently. He gestured. Mrs. Who, do you know this boy? Calvin bowed. Good afternoon, ma'am. I didn't quite catch your name. Mrs. Who will do, the woman said. He wasn't my idea, Charles, Charles Lee, but he's a good one. Where's Mrs. What's it, Charles asked. She's busy. It's getting your time, Charles Lee. Getting your time. Ab honesto vir bons um nihil detilde. Senecata. No. Nothing deters a good man from doing what is honorable. And he's a very good man, Charles Lee. He, darling, but right now he needs our help. Who? A little Megzie. Lovely to meet you, sweetheart. Your father, of course. Now go home, loves. The time is getting not ripe yet. Do not worry. We won't go without you. Get plenty of food and rest. Feed Calvin up. Now, off with you. Just send sort of feet. Latin again, of course. Faith is the sister of justice. Trust in us. Now, shoo! And she fluttered up from her chair and pushed them out out the door with surprising power. Charles, Meg said, I don't understand. Charles took her by the hand and dragged her away from the house. Fort Bras ran on ahead and Calvin was close behind them. No, he said, I don't either yet. Not quite. I'll tell you what I know as soon as I can. But you just saw Fort, didn't you? Not a growl, not a quiver, just as though there were nothing strange about it. So let's... So it lets you know it's okay. Look, do me a favor, both of you. Let's not talk about it till we've had something to eat. I need fuel so I can sort things out in this element properly. Lead on, moron, Calvin cried gaily. I've never seen even ever seen your house. And f- I have the funniest feeling for that, that for the first time in my life, I'm going home. And that's the end of that chapter. Um, like I always say at the end of the show, please like, subscribe, give us a few stars and a review, or just tell your friends and family about our show. It really helps us grow if you like it. Like it. If you have book requests or anything, there is a link down in the description where you click on it and you scroll down a little bit and where you see the message button, you click on that, you hit start recording once you get to a new page and you can record a one minute recording for book requests or shout out requests. In that, you've got to tell me if you want me to just play the play the message on there, or if you just want me to say it, or if it's a book request, I can just consider it and do it. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. It really helps us grow. Hi, guys. So, without further ado, this is the end of the episode. Have a great day. And in honor of our favorite show, Sister Sister, go home, Roger!